Well, Andrew, at long last, we are here. The regular season is now behind us. Yeah. It's time for the postseason, which means the long-awaited, highly anticipated, much ballyhooed, <laughs> two-part finale of God versus God. So, first of all, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Uh, and a warm welcome to all the listeners who have made it with us this far. You, uh, you have been an essential audience for our journey. We have, uh, at this point, laughed together. We've... Shaking our heads in amazement, perhaps covered our faces together in shame a time or two. Uh, and based on the notes I've received, uh, dear audience, you have taken us as your audio entertainment on, on your road trips. You've listened to us to make your long walks feel even longer. <laughs> in at least one instance, uh, described by a long-term friend of mine, you have drifted off to sleep during an episode only to wake up disoriented and a little horrified to have my voice in your ear. Um, but along the way, we've learned a lot about the divine beings uh, to whom our stories remain the foundation of our culture, even now, a couple of millennia later. So along the way, we've explored some some little-known corners of our language, of course, from parthenogenesis yeah. to super fecundation, which I'm sure are in the regular rotation of, of many of us now <laughs> yeah, uh, in day-to-day -day lives. Party. Yeah, we, we have uh, uncovered some surprising truths about the scientific world, uh, such as the fact that I didn't know that the motion of the sun is not what we were taught in astronomy class, but in fact... <laughs> Simply the sun god Helios riding a chariot across the sky each day. Little known fact. Yeah, science. Uh, but now, after all these adventures, it's it's time to take serious, to get serious about making our final decision and finally determining who, among all the Greco-Roman gods, is the best choice for coming out of retirement, making the ultimate comeback to save us from our troubled times. So, as the old expression goes, all good things must come to a two-part conclusion. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. Uh, so let me describe how right. the thrilling conclusion will, will play out. So in preparation for this episode, for part one, folks, Andrew and I have gone through our previous archive of all 12 episodes, painstakingly reviewing all 18 hours of content. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know, I do have to say as a side note, so 18 hours is a lot. Yeah. I did. I looked some things up. The audiobook for The Great Gatsby, four hours and 49 minutes. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. Citizen Kane. Allegedly, the best movie, a paltry one hour, 59 minutes. So we have essentially not... created four Gatsby's and nine <laughs> Canes. Um, on the flip side, though, the last episode of Joe Rogan had an interview with another guy I've never heard of. And that interview, 18 hours. So <laughs> you never know. Quality, quantity, it's a delicate yeah. dance. In any case, uh, Andrew and I have reviewed all of that in preparation for this episode only the winners of those episodes are eligible for the final round. So that technically means 11 finalists because yep. Zeus and Hera, you'll recall, were both disqualified at the end of our regular season finale for many reasons. Their <laughs> general incompetence, their awfulness, their being poster children for the philosophical problem of evil. So right. then with the 11 Golden Apple winners in mind, we have gone through each of the five categories that we typically use in the final segment of each program. So by this point, listeners, you are you you know them well. Immortal combat, curriculum deity, good god, iconography, matinee idol. So for each category, Andrew and I separately, in in yes. the cloisters of our own homes, have chosen our top three. And now we will reveal our rankings in this episode, both to you and to each other right. in real time. We will then combine the results to arrive at our top two finishers, which we will announce at the end of this program. And then in our last installment, part two of our finale, those two finalists will square off head-to-head -head in three all-new categories 
which will be revealed within that dramatic conclusion. So the victor, of course, of that matchup will win the ultimate prize, the Golden Goat, and with it, our invitation to make his or her return to come back and save the world. So, Andrew, did I get that right? Does that make sense? Yes, uh, I think I think you nailed it. Um, One thing I want to say, since you've already given one spoiler alert on uh, Hera and Zeus, Yes. You know, if this if you haven't listened to any other episodes, go back. <laughs> go back now. Yeah, like, listen listen, listen to a couple. This is maybe not the place to start, but uh you'll enjoy it even more. That's a great after point. you take in six or seven hours at least. <laughs> at least those a good starter hours. refresher course. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um but you know, we have kind of a simple um scoring system as as befits us because yep. we're relatively simple men. Absolutely. Um as you reverse order for it, I've termed them the gold medal winner, silver and bronze. Mm. Gold medals three points, silver's two, and uh, bronze is one. And at the end, we will add up the scores. And in the relatively unlikely event that we have a tie for two and three, right? Uh, we'll fall back on who had the most points in their episode. And if those are tied, we have to turn it back to the fates. Oh my so, goodness. That would be a nail biter. But so yes, gonna, that would be the procedure. Move on uh, then to what, what I'm going to call our otherworldly World Cup mm. or our Supreme Being Super Bowl. Oh, nice. Or Olympians Olympics. <laughs> our final <laughs> yes, round to get I the like Golden it. Goat winners. So, you know, and just to bring everybody back up to speed so you don't have to re listen to those 18 hours. Right. You know, I'm uh, going to give you a couple quick stats because what's better than okay. stats about a podcast? Yeah, <laughs> bring it. Love it. Math. So, we had science, now we have math. Yes, now we have math. So we had some close contests, a couple blowouts, but mm-hmm. the average score for the winner this season was 3.1 wins, and for the loser was 1.3 mm. with just over just 0.6 draws per episode. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the average spread, and of our eleven winners, seventy three percent of them won Immortal Combat, mm. Iconography, and Good God were second with sixty four percent, and Matinee Idol and Curriculum Deity were only won by fifty five percent of our winners. So what do you what do you make of those discrepancies? Uh, it is actually that um, Immortal Combat and Iconography are very heavily correlated. So if you yes. win one, you're very likely to win the other one. And therefore, you're two-thirds of the way to, win, to winning that's, the show. All you, that's, you just just to, that's just good statistics right there, kids. Yeah, Pay attention. One Get out, college so. credit for this. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that set up kind of refresher. Let's move on to our rounds. All right. Well, we'll we will call this God versus God episode 13. Uh, finale part yep. one at, in this moment is when I often say, as always, may the best God win. I'm going to adjust that tonight to may the God, may the best two finalists emerge, which is yes. not nearly as poetic, but, but let's jump in. So, yeah. uh, why don't you kick us off as, as you normally do with our first uh, category and we, we will at least, or we will each of us really reveal our top three in that category. Right. So, uh, our first category is immortal combat, which is simply again, who would win in a physical confrontation? But this is a little bit tougher here because how do you figure that out? Is is this a melee of all against all where we just throw them in <laughs> yeah. to some sort of arena or mm-hmm. is it a tournament? And yeah. Is there seating? Uh, you know, 
I took it just as who would win in most other deities, uh, who, who would I be placing my bet on most yes. of the time? Yes. And so in this round, uh, I'll start off uh, with my third one. And that one went to Mercury, mm. our trickster god. Mm -hmm. Again, I, in this case, I'm going with uh, cunning over some of the brawn of some of the, right. some of the other ones. Right, not just brute force, but, but yeah, the full, the full package. Yep. Yeah, so he, I, I'm convinced that he, against most opponents, he's going to be able to figure a way uh, to pull out the win. Second, I went with his good friend, and this was close, Apollo. Mm. He's got those far-shooting arrows. Yes. He's, you know, pretty good in combat. He's got a lot of different weapons. That prophecy, you know, they did take each other on at one point, uh, more than a battle of wits, uh, mm. when Mercury stole his cattle, and felt like Apollo came back. Now came out on top, but mm. uh, even though Mercury in that instance was merely a day old, but <laughs> right, that's true. A little disadvantage there for his uh, but relative it... immaturity. But he held himself. Uh, he acquitted himself quite well, as I recall. He did. He did. So, you know, so that that was my two and three, and then for number one, you know. Can I think, well, remembering that this is God versus God combat, some of the tricks that these guys use normally uh, won't work. Uh, so Poseidon, for example, didn't even win in his round of That's right. fighting, even though he's considered a very powerful God. But, you know, creating a flood doesn't really do against much much against these guys. Right. Uh, Demeter, uh, her ultimate move, as you may recall, was causing mass starvation through... Yes. Uh, disrupting the grain supply, sort of a Vladimir Putin of her day. <laughs> it is, yes. But, uh, you know, that doesn't affect these these gods. So physical blows, divine sword or arrow, mm. such as Mercury and Apollo have, will work, but so does psychological warfare. Yes. They can be tricked. They can be manipulated, some more easily than others. Mm. So the thing that I think almost all of these gods have proven themselves to be most vulnerable to time and again is love and passion. Ah, yes. So I turn to the Homeric hymn to Aphrodite, mm. and it says, there are basically only three beings in the universe that Aphrodite cannot bend to her will. Athena, Hestia, and Artemis. So the hymn says, of these three, Aphrodite cannot bend or ensnare their hearts. But all the others, there is nothing among the blessed gods or mortal men that has escaped Aphrodite. Even the heart of Zeus, who delights in thunder, is led astray by her. Mm. Though he is the greatest of all, she beguiles even his wise heart whensoever she pleases. Mm. So, that's why I chose Aphrodite is my gold medal winner in Mortal Kombat. Wow. That's a surprise. It's a case of you know, love conquers all, and, and I think it applies here. So, well, again, a controversial first move, but... I, I like it. Coming out, coming in hot. You know, I, I, I appreciate that. You'll see I allude to something similar in my rankings. I do have to call a little bit of a, maybe a, a full flag, but at least a warning. <laughs> On uh, not to you, but but in that hymn, in saying that even Zeus was tempted by Aphrodite, so <laughs> Zeus is this pious picture of yes, uh, even Zeus, yes, even with his great control of his lustier moments, yes. yeah. 
Well, interesting. Well, I like that. So we'll note those down. Um, so coming over to me, I was originally tempted at first. Uh, the natural choice was to go with, with at least for one of these finishers, with Mars, the god of war, right? I mean, you're talking about battle. Uh, he was presumably very good at that as the god of war. So he, and he did, you know, had super strength, courage, panic in battle, spear, the armors and all that. And I did not choose him, frankly, for something of a technicality, because as you'll recall uh, from that episode, the Greek version, uh, uh, Ares, is really the more serious warmonger. He's the one who's who's much more about bloodshed, wrath. Whereas the Roman version, who the fates chose for you to cover yeah. in that episode, um, certainly was 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 fluent in war, but really was more of a peacemaker at his heart. Was there about defending the peace treaties? Certainly could do his best in war, but was less of a warmonger. So because of that, I also kind of maybe he lost a point or two because yeah. you know, presumably his strength was on the battlefield, more the high level strategic stuff. Surrounded by soldiers and armies, not necessarily a one-on-one combat kind of guy. So originally tempted there, but I, I, I threw him off to the side. Right. Uh, for number three, I went with Artemis, the god of the hunt. Now, okay. similar logic that you started with. You know, certainly she has the skills with the arrows, the spears, the hunting dogs, the chariot, all of that. But importantly, as a virgin goddess, of course, as you said, she's unbridled by the, the passions, the appetites of the flesh. So Aphrodite has no power over her. Yeah. Um, and and any number of her would-be combats against her uh, would be, you know, would, would be at least vulnerable uh, in some sense to that. So um, if you got strength on one-on-one combat, you know, Artemis has that strength on you. So we know that she's willing to fight back in episode seven, you know, a steady stream of stories yes. and getting vengeance upon anybody who would cross her yeah. for virtually any reason. Eager. Yes, eager, eager to fight. Um but again, to your point before about uh, uh, previous contestants, not just brute godly force here, but also good strategy. I'm recalling the story that you told of the two twin giants who stormed Olympus, and the only vulnerability those giants had were, was to each other. So Artemis transformed herself into a deer. She runs between them, makes the two giants shoot each other. Yep. That's just a good, you know, a good sense of, of thinking well on her cloven feet <laughs> as a deer. Yep. Uh, and working in the moment. Very clever there. So uh, as we mentioned before, um, for all of her strength, Artemis does lose a few points for being whacked by Hera with her own bow and then running <laughs> home to complain to her mother. But I will cut her slack for this because as we know in great detail from our previous episode, Hera is not to be messed with. No. Um, so by any stretch, that's you know, that's a small ding against her. So Artemis comes in third. Um, second place for this one, I went with Heracles, the god of strength. Okay. We covered back in episode eight. And again, this does give you the brute force. You've got, he's superior in all skills, the strength, the weaponry. We see a lot of creativity. Even his temperament, for the most part, uh, is pretty impressive. Throughout his labors, we saw great animal husbandry abilities, civil engineering strength, and yeah. sort of rerouting floods. Um, and those 12 labors becomes the ultimate expression, I think, of his, his fortitude, his ingenuity. Um, in terms of willingness to fight, the fact that he sort of killed his music teacher as a child <laughs> in cold blood for... The crime of suggesting music may not be his talent uh, <laughs> suggests that even from a young age, he had that fighting spirit. Yeah, to him. sure. Um, and in those labors, there's ample evidence that he is he's certainly willing. And there's lots of killing of lions and hydras, man-eating birds. He, of course, kills a king by feeding him to his own horses, even kills the queen of the Amazons just to get her girdle. So he will go very far. Uh, yeah. Willingness to fight even for just a, a small article of clothing. Um if there's a weakness here, it is to make sure Hera is not involved. Because as, as we'll recall as well, she had a way of 
putting a little fly in the ointment every time Heracles was about to, to make something big happen. So uh, for those reasons, I give Heracles the number two slot. Uh, I will say, though, for my number one slot uh, in Immortal Kombat, I'm going with Apollo, the God okay. of Prophecy, for, for number one. Of course, covered in episode three, uh, stellar war record, Trojan yep. War, of course, the Theban War and the Indian War, um, which we mentioned briefly in the Dionysus episode. And uh, an impressive feat because he was helping Dionysus, who was a, just a relentless drunk. <laughs> India, at, the point, at that point, even had to have like at least a billion people. So the two of them would be able to conquer India. Was no was no small feat. Um, Apollo defeated lizard monsters and giants, and of course he yeah. had sort of the, the the double threat of the weaponry, whether it's the bow and arrow, the javelin, but also the athletic ability, because of course the first Olympic champion, both wrestling and running. Um, we know Apollo was not afraid to fight dirty, because of course in the Trojan War he used an arrow spiked with the plague, so he was essentially willing to use chemical weapons way before it was fashionable. Um, and most importantly, uh, as the god of prophecy, as you hinted at earlier, yeah. uh, Apollo knows what will happen. So no right. matter who the opponent is, he's always going to be one step ahead. So even if he's against Heracles, he knows what that next move is going to be. All things being equal, in his back pocket, Apollo st- also has that secret weapon of music. He can pull out his lyre, All right. chant his enemy with a tune as not only the inventor of music, but by all accounts, the greatest musician ever. So... The full package, superior skills, willingness to fight and go hard, the versatility to go to battle under any manner required, whether it's a wrestling match or a serenade, and Apollo's guy. So <laughs> yeah, he gets my number one ranking for this category. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I I viewed him as one of those who was certainly uh, yeah vulnerable to love and and yes. to having his heart swayed, uh, but. You know, and I considered Artemis also, and I thought, well, I think if this is a tournament, it depends on where Aphrodite gets. If she gets Artemis, mm-hmm. she's she's tough. But I I felt like there were enough other gods out there that could have taken her down. So all right, yes. that that is interesting. We'll put those in the book. Yes. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to keep score at home, <laughs> what's your scorecards? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we ah oh, we should mail those out. <laughs> Forgot to do that next time. Yeah. So um, all right. And that brings us to our second round. Yes. Which is curriculum deity, mm. which is which God would you rather be? Which God would you rather worship? And of course, uh, as is traditional, uh, have you go first in this round. Yes. So again, I was tempted in this one, uh, particularly in terms of who I'd want to be uh, for choosing Dionysus, the God of wine. Uh, way back to our pilot episode, first yeah. one. Uh, who would not love a life of drunken revelry? He's surrounded by adoring worshipers, this unending succession of festivals that are this combination of three-day benders and, and orgies and, and religious ceremonies all wrapped up into one. Sadly, he is not eligible. He's not. Yeah. Right. He was defeated by Mars in the first episode. So yeah. sort of a, a, a shout out table. to him, but off the table. So instead, uh, for my third ranking, in the curriculum deity, I'm going to go with Helios, God of the Sun. Okay, an interesting choice, but I think yeah. part of why he's so appealing to be him, and I think you made a you made a really compelling case about him in in that episode. Permanently handsome, always seen as youthful, had had his share of loves, but lived this sort of opulent life. Had a sun palace, mm-hmm. had a good entourage, sees the world every day, all of it, doing his important work of riding that chariot across 
the world, essential work that all of us need to get done to, to have our, our world lit up. Um, you did mention correctly that he saw some tragedy in his life, of course, yep. with, with, particularly with his sons. Um, and it is true that the chariot ride every day is a bit of a grind. And when we think about uh, living the life of a god, uh, we would think that would be easy street, floating up right. in clouds. Um, so having that 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 day-to-day work, but it's important, it's meaningful work. And I think there's something to that that uh, that, that means a lot, that, that draws me uh, to to his example. In terms of worshiping, I mean, there are no no lack of sun worshipers even to this yeah. day. Uh, of course, tanning is not in the, in the sort of vogue that it used to be, um, but people still love the sun. And, and his festivals were, were ample, as you mentioned in that episode. Um, a slight subtraction because there was no wine at his festivals, but yeah. Um, but an addition of points to that because, as you described it, that was because Helios is a chariot rider. He needs to drive home. You got. He's got to stay on the level. So. The ultimate example of being a designated driver. So I will, I will sort of re- reverse those points, and worshiping him would still be a pretty good time. So yep. ultimately, it's the important work that that gets him that the recognition by all. And frankly, without him, the world is quite literally a darker place. So <laughs> he gets my third ranking. Okay. Um, second place, I'm going on this one with Mercury. Uh, okay. You mentioned him earlier, god of boundaries, the herald of the gods. And, and like Helios, always pictured in his prime. So in terms of wanting to be him living in Olympus, he travels, he's got the ability to fly. And of course, not just protector of travelers, but the psychopomp, the soul guide, who is a conductor of souls into the afterlife. And I think what I like about that, as God of Boundaries, whether he is in the upper or the underworld, everywhere he goes, he belongs. And that's right. something that we can all aspire to. So uh, he's got good hobbies. So he <laughs> gave, you know, he gave up the leer after losing to Apollo in a, in a, music contest, which is a terrible move. Um, but he still kind of picked up playing the pipes on the side and still enjoys that on the side. Uh, and as you pointed out, he's also God of eloquence and does a bit of writing. Uh, yeah. So he's got that uh, that cultural side to him, well-liked by the other gods, which the more I thought about it is is kind of rare. I think when yeah. you look at the pantheon of, of these folks, you have some uneasy alliances, you have a lot of familial uh, dynamics, but I think Mercury stands out as being somebody that, that was was fairly well-liked by everybody. Um, yeah, unusual. Yes. So even the downside of having to work for Zeus, for his father, work in the family business, uh, still felt very comfortable with that role. And I think all things considered, being him would be a pretty good thing. Uh, in terms of worshiping, you talked about a large festival, you know, temples. He's got the coming of age aspect of those festivals, which is yeah. always pretty interesting. The absolution of sins for the years ahead. And you mentioned that that idea that for one day a year, the lowest members of society could talk back to their betters, right. um, which is also it's a, it's a nice gesture. It's more than many of us even have now. Right. So I can appreciate that. And icing on the cake, you've got those Mercury statues on most doorways as a sign of good luck. So he's got this sort of omnipresence as a as a, a target of worship. So guy who made things happen all over the place, the portrait of a Renaissance man had the Renaissance been invented at the time. <laughs> Um, that's where Mercury gets my number two vote. And then in the top slot, I had to once again go to Apollo, the okay. God of prophecy here. And I think there's such an overwhelming case for just being the best of everything. And this is this is, you know, in the B part of the category. And I mentioned this in episode three, this combination of of Muhammad Ali and Todd Brady and his athleticism of Jimi Hendrix and right. Mozart and his music. George Washington is the founder of states. Both Doctor Spock and Mister Spock, in terms of medicine, intelligence, the looks of Brad Pitt, and he can see the future. And who would not want that yeah. that layout? Uh, and again, a rare treat among these gods. Both of his parents, Zeus and Leto, were, were very proud of him. 
they, they really <laughs> did a great job. And yeah. again, not always the case uh, with no, this crowd. Very much not. Uh, so very tempting, both in terms of just excellence in all things, but a good solid sort of core of familial bond uh, that makes it very tempting to want to be him. In terms of worship, we talked about those two main shrines, uh, Delos's birthplace and Delphi, where, of course, his famous oracle was. Dozens of temples all over the place, everywhere, every city. There's the Starbucks, fran- Starbucks franchises of their day. <laughs> so I appreciate the convenience of that as a would-be worshiper. Yeah. Uh, and the fact, as an additional bonus point, that because he is the Greek national god, he is sort of, you can worship him as a form of patriotism. So right. you're able to love your country and say your prayers all in one fell swoop, Excellent. as though we had our own Saint America. So the best of everything, the full package of convenience and patriotism, and religion all baked into one. And that's where the great Apollo gets my top ranking for right. this category. Now, I, I think this is interesting because not a lot of overlap in, in Mortal Kombat, but we have a much little bit more uh, overlap here, which which is kind of interesting. You would have thought Immortal Kombat, you know, combat is going to, but it, it has its own different logic among the gods. So That's right. Uh, for my third choice, I, I had two... That I, that I weighed out, um, and two very, very different gods, uh, but it, I had Morpheus mm. and Helios. And Morpheus, you'll, you'll recall, was kind of that lazy teenager right. uh, sleeping in the ultimate sleep palace. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, he flies off, does his little one-act solos yep. every night, yep. little, little acting, uh, and his worship was primarily a spa weekend. That's true. There's so, some strength there, uh, yeah. And then Helios, uh, for all the reasons... Uh, you described of, of the entourage yes. and uh, you know having a, a decent amount of worship and in roads uh, you know, for a while at least they had a big giant statue that you could enjoy yeah uh, but uh, so ultimately uh, I did go with Helios just barely beating out Morpheus but you know that 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 uh, teenager thing uh, sleep, sleeping sleeping all day kind of kind of brought back some memories but ultimately it doesn't go very far that's a, it's a weekend not necessarily what you want to be. I mean, yes, today, <laughs> but I have ample evidence that you and I in much younger years lived that life pretty consistently for <laughs> years at a time. But then again, we were essentially teenagers ourselves. So yes, as adults, you're correct. That can only last so far. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and so that then uh, second, I went with your number one, Apollo. Mm. And I have Apollo, uh, you know, again, golden child, accomplished many things. Right. Had that long-term relationship with the muses. Disregard the fact they were his sisters. Yeah. <laughs> the, the gods were, were laws unto themselves, Cicero That's tells right. us, uh, the Roman statesman. So he gets a uh, slight, and he doesn't quite get the, the top spot um, due to his arguably thin skin on the music contest department. Even though he won, he <laughs> just took such a front That's true. Uh, to actually being challenged. Uh, <laughs> he would occasionally skin <laughs> That's right. the, the opponent alive, yeah. even after he won. Even after he won. So so a, a sore winner, we would call him. He would not shake the hand of the opposing quarterback uh, at, at halftime or at the, after the game at the midfield, let's say. No, no, he, he would not. You know? And, of course, he did have some of those tragic uh, love affairs, uh, such as you discussed. Uh, Hyacinth, young man who was turned into a flower after a freak discus That's right. accident. Yes. Um, and Cronus, who's the mother of Asclepius, who we determined was probably killed by 
Artemis. Um, and uh, I, it, one we didn't talk about was uh, Samantha, who's lover of Apollo, who had a son by Apollo. And one you hear less about uh, than most of his other sons uh, because uh, Samantha decided to expose the son that she had by Apollo. And unlike Asclepius, who was protected by a sheepdog, yes. uh, this son was torn apart by the dogs. Oh, man. <laughs> and... Just to cut the dogs on the wrong day, huh? <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah, it was uh, the wrong dog at the wrong oh, time. Boy. Uh, so that was a tough one for Apollo and, and didn't go well for uh, for that town. But no. those aside, he had the prophecy. <laughs> His worship was widespread. That, I'm just I'm giving you kind of why he didn't get to the top. That sure, for me, those, sure. those things that he was, I was deciding between him and... My number one winner, mm -hmm. who was, of course, Mercury. Mm. So just flip that script a little bit. Um, yeah. And a couple different things that uh, I kind of, to explain my logic of, of how I got there uh, on this one. So, you know, whether it's stealing cattle or knifing a hundred-eyed giant, <laughs> he always brings a little style to his endeavor. That's very know? true. Yeah. Yeah. Style he, points. He, he scores them some... highly. He's got some flair. Yeah. He's got, um, and then I read this scholar on on Hermes, the the, the Greek version of Mercury, um, and she, this Arlene Allen, and uh, wrote the book Hermes: Gods and Heroes of the Ancient World, mm. and she identifies five key talents of Hermes slash Mercury. Uh, he had wisdom, stealth, creativity, wit, and propriety, mm. uh, meaning that. He was clever or sharp thinking, a trickster. He is able to move through space in a stealthy manner. He has creative potential. And with his cleverness, he can make others laugh. So all good points. I think all good aspirational points. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it might be interested, you know, depending on where this goes, to see how he might use those traits removed from the yoke of Zeus. Mm. So, um you know, he also has some cool tools. He's got some winged sandals, hood of invisibility. Yeah. Uh, he's got a stick with two snakes on it. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, one better than Asclepius. <laughs> uh, and on the worship side, there was a lot of versatility there. Um, yeah. Had those big public festivals that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but also has uh, shrines that could be um, a simple pile of rocks. Hmm. It could be a shrine to Hermes or a square stone with an erection. <laughs> also also so another way a lot of options for, for the would-be worshiper yeah. yeah yeah and then i got this from uh Posineus, uh who tells us this this town in southern greece and in the center center of the town there's a market uh with a statue of Mer mercury and it's got a hearth and oil lamps in front of it and so it says uh coming at evening the inquirer of the god having burnt incense upon the hearth and filled the lamps with oil and lighted them puts on the altar a local coin called a copper and asks in the ear of the god the particular question he wishes to put to him. And after that, he sticks his fingers in his ears and leaves the marketplace. And coming outside, he takes his hands from his ears and whatever utterance he first hears, he considers a prophecy. Oh, wow. So, which actually just seems kind of like Mercury's messing with those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bit of a con game, but I kind of like bit it. Of, bit, of sh bit of shenanigans, but a lot of options. Yeah, I like that. I, I have uh, to try that sometime. Uh, yes. Next time I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then there's one more thing I wanted to, on his worship side. 
uh, that comes from Philostratus in his biography of Aesop, you know, the famous fable writer we've come across right. a few times. Right. Uh, and in this biography, Philostratus tells us that Aesop started as a shepherd uh, and he was a worshiper of Mercury. And so he saves it up for a libation of sheep's milk, which not the best offering, but, you know, he's a shepherd. So what's he going to do? Sure. Uh, so apparently in the shrine, and it doesn't say whether it's quarterly or at the start of a new fiscal year or whatever, Mercury comes back and goes to the people who have given him the gifts and gives the distribution of gifts of wisdom, it says. And so uh, from Philostratus, says, Mercury, as the god of wisdom and eloquence, and also of rewards, said to him who had made the biggest offering, here is philosophy for you. And to him who had made the next best offering, he said, you take your place among the orators. And the others, he said, you shall have the gifts of astronomy, or you shall be a musician. And then he goes on down the line, but apparently uh, Mercury, despite being uh, the god of wits and wisdom, was not very good at accounts. Nah. Because he realizes he'd exhausted all the various departments of wisdom. <laughs> and then he found, oh, I, I, I've forgotten Aesop. <laughs> I for, so, but then he remembered the first story that he had heard from the goddesses of the seasons about a talking cow and how that had inspired him to steal the cattle of Apollo. Hmm. So he says, Accordingly, he bestowed upon Aesop the art of fable called mythology, for that was all that he had left in the house of wisdom. Wow. He said, You keep that the first thing I learned myself. So Aesop acquired the various forms of fable and art from Mercury. Very nice. Not bad for so, a, uh, a, 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 an oversight, ultimately. Yeah, for <laughs> oversight. Yeah. So that, so. It tells us a couple of things. One that uh, Philostratus at least considers, uh, and, and and maybe Mercury, um, mythology to be the lowest form of wisdom. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. <laughs> but um, you know, also that we get mythology at least in part from Mercury, and that retelling these myths could be considered a form of worship. Interesting. Well, there you go. Well. So it, maybe we're doing that work ourselves here, yeah. in, in bringing them to the masses. <laughs> the masses such as they are, yes. <laughs> uh, so I went with Mercury at number one. Nice. That's All a good those choice. reasons. Yeah. I wonder what, do you have the full list of what the other? Uh, no, that he just, yeah, there's, like, there's like an ellipse. And then it's, how far eh. down do you go? Because you're missing like, you know, barbershop quartets and uh, game show <laughs> hosts. Like if you're getting the, down to the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah. we, we may be there, yeah. All right. But uh, at that yeah, that was the last one in the bag. He he thought he'd run out, so it turned out pretty well for old Aesop. He yeah, made, he made the most of that for sure. Yeah, he made quite a career of that. He did. <laughs> so Excellent. all right, and now we're gonna have our third category. Yes, good God. Yes, who has the better character? Um, and I will start off. All right, so for for my third place. I had Artemis as the third, who now, it's an interesting choice, I think, uh, and she's going to contrast with some of the two others uh, mm -hmm. that I have, but she's got that dark vigilante vibe. Yes. Uh, you know, she's more of an anti-hero. She's going to break the rules, but she's going to get things done. Right. Um, you know, people may recall that she turned Actian, the hunter, uh, into a deer for seeing her naked. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, 
killing Coronas to avenge the killing of her uh, hunting buddy, Orion. Um, but, you know, swift certain deaths, kind of a jam. Yeah. But I think, consistent. Yeah. Um, you know, with the stories that we hear that, that there is a case for uh, somebody sticking up for the little guy, somebody who is, uh, and I should say little girl, mm-hmm. uh, because that was her, her main thing, and she right. would uh, defend women. So I want to give one more story in here um, that comes from the Tegians tell this story about Artemis uh, as follows. So there was a despot in their town uh, of Arcadia who fell in love with a Tegian mate maiden. So Tegia is a, a, a place outside of Arcadia. And he got her somehow or other into his power and he t- entrusted her keeping to this warrior named Cronius. And the girl, before she was delivered to the despot, killed herself for shame. Oh, my. But, of course, Artemis then steps in, and she has a vision in this Cronius, and stirs him against the despot. He slew, he slew the despot, fled back to Tigia, and made a sanctuary to Artemis of the goddess of vengeance. Nice. So for all these reasons, I picked Artemis as my third harsh justice sort of mm-hmm. version yes, yes. Of, uh, of good God. Outside the rules, but for the right reasons. Yes. 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 Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Um, but then uh, the second one I have, again, Mercury mm-hmm. as my second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a trickster god, so, you know, maybe got a little bit of a type here. Uh, but I was impressed with him, you know, having a book series of, of wise advice for people. Sure. Yep. As well as uh, turning random stuff into precious metals. Mm-hmm. Both <laughs> yep. helpful things uh, in alchemy uh, from the Hermeticom. But he's also, he's a deal enforcer. Mm. Uh, you'll remember from a few times where. That's right. Uh, somebody tried to go back on a deal, and he was there to enforce it through uh, some pretty strict measures. Wouldn't have it. I, yep. think that, I think that has merit. You know, he doesn't have a spotless uh, record by any stretch, but mm. overall, I thought, you know, he was pretty positive. Um, so he was my number two. Mm. And for number one, the gold medal winner, kind of was pretty clear to me, uh, and I don't think it was that much of a contest, Um as you, as you related, in episode five, Prometheus gave yes. us fire. Yes. Uh, the ability to make ramen noodles. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he gave mankind the better part of the sacrificed animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that may become more relevant to us when we get to the golden goat yes. section. Yes. Uh, finally, uh, we certainly don't want the least best part of the goats. No. <laughs> so, uh, but then, uh, even more than that, according to Aeschylus, it was Prometheus who gave man hope. Oh. Uh, from Prometheus Bound, we get this kind of quote between Prometheus and the chorus of the play. And the chorus asks Prometheus if he's got one more offense against Zeus that he wants to discuss. And he says, yes, I caused mortals to cease foreseeing their own doom. And the chorus says, of what sort of cure that you found for this affliction? 
Prometheus says, I caused blind hope to dwell in their hearts. And of course, says, a great benefit was this you gave to mortals. Mm, very so, nice. at great risk to himself, he gives us all these gifts, including hope itself, uh, and endures generations of torture, mostly on our behalf. Uh, so, the only, only real downside I, I recall is that you know, he had a bit of a soft spot uh, for his idiot brother, Epimetheus. <laughs> yes. Which did cause some problems uh, in, the, in both the, the forming of, of man and uh, the accepting of Pandora along with her uh, ill-gotten uh, jar. But, you know, I don't see that as much as a character flaw. It's, it's just a bit unfortunate of his loyalty to to his brother so right uh and the gift of pandora and women turned out very well for us anyway absolutely uh but he was always on the size of the little guys in a way that i think not many of the other gods could claim or would frankly want to claim so absolutely uh prometheus got my top vote that's a great choice and, and it's a good reason why prometheus is a strong choice in this category less so in our previous category yes because it's that the, whole thing about being uh, bound and tortured for hundreds of years for the rest of his life scores a lot of negative points. So. Yes. Excellent. Well, we have we have a little overlap, but not a ton. Um, okay. So originally thinking about the better character, my first instinct was to choose the Moiray, the Fates, um, yeah. mainly for personal reasons. I wanted to curry favor with them. I wanted to kind of get <laughs> on their good side, save my own hide, frankly. Right. Uh, yet again, though, I could not. Uh, no. They did not win their competition. They were ineligible, defeated by the aforementioned Prometheus in episode five, um, thus off the table. But um, then I thought about it. I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter. Nothing I can do at this point will will influence them. Their, their no. fates have already spoken to the Moire. My destiny is already in the bag. So it's all fine. So instead, uh, number three, I mentioned him earlier, but went with Mars for character. Now, again, we talked about it at the beginning, the Roman version that you talked about in, in that early episode was the defender, the God of peace treaty. So yes, war, but really as a tool to achieving peace, um, which I think is a great character reference there. Um, you had mentioned in that episode that Mars is, is far better to women in his life than uh, essentially any number of his peers. Mm. He had a thing for, I believe you called them consensual relationships, which is, <laughs> In this crowd, uh, yeah, not always the way to go, yeah. but Mars was all about it. So to his credit, you would think in, in our terms, that would be in our day and age, a low bar, but not for this group. That was actually pretty, right. uh, pretty significant character statement. So I give him points for that. Um, and, you know, just the fact that his, you know, by overseeing war and violence, but for that counterbalance, despite the title of being God of War, I think he was both a respectful lover and a, and a fighter for the right reasons. So he gets the third slot. Uh, for good God. Okay. Uh, for second, took us back to to Heracles, uh, the god of strength. And, you know, we talked about there was a lot of murdering in his <laughs> early years, well documented in episode eight. Right. But, you know, in his defense, Hera very often made him do it. And it was all sort of her machinations that resulted in that. Um, but I do think that murdering, you know, a lot of it took place in the confines of his labors, which he had to do. Um but really, they're outweighed by his virtues because Heracles always did his penance after he was found to commit a crime. So when he, after he you know, killed his music teacher, Linus, he, he paid the price for that. So even after several of these instances, it took him years of servitude after doing the wrong thing to essentially clear his name. And he, to his credit, had the patience uh, to right his wrongs, to follow the laws um, and, you know, as, a, as a 
full-time mortal would do. And even right. if that took a great deal of serious punishment, long-term punishment, we heard even toward the end of his life, he was forced to cross-dress and, and do uh, sanctioned housework for a good part of a year for one of his, uh, his, yeah. his later skirmishes. But he always did his time. So I think in terms of having a good moral character backbone, Heracles uh, is a good counterbalance to his great strength with character. For my top slot, I too have chosen Prometheus. Okay. Out of forethought, uh, the Titan, of course, the, the, who switched sides in the Titanomachy to join yep. the good guys. Uh, and you talked about a number of the reasons why. Interestingly, I saw his treatment of his idiot brother, Epimetheus, as actually a character strength because okay. despite that series of boneheaded moves, <laughs> Uh, he always stuck up for his brother. And so he right. has a character for that. Uh, it is what you say is true. It was unfortunate. He had to keep dealing with that. But <laughs> I think it's a good mark on his character that he was so kind and forgiving toward um, that idiot brother. And as you said, he broke the rules, but did it for for the right reasons, right? right. He created human beings uh, and so always had that soft spot. For us, you alluded to the trick at Marconi where he pulls the fast one on Zeus, decides how animal sacrifices from then on will be held right. and the humans get to keep the good parts, the meat the fat and the gods get just the kind of grizzle in the bones. Um, and as you also alluded to, the punishment was to torment man with the creation of women, which ended up being really quite a boon for, for us these days. So, you know, stealing fire for us, as you mentioned, so we could thrive. The compassion for humans got Prometheus that terrible punishment, but he never betrayed his secrets. And we'll remember that, that there was one secret about uh, that everybody wanted to know, okay. sort of, and, and the, the details escape me, but the prophecy that he had the information and everybody wanted to wrestle it out of him. But even in his bound state, he did right. not sing uh, all, those, all those years. So yes, a rough life, as you mentioned, much of which devoted to daily torture, but great compassion, did the right thing, kept his principles, stuck to his guns, and Prometheus, like you, gets my top slot excellent yeah i know I, I obviously we, we are in agreement on there I, I did on the epimetheus i did i've sort of viewed epimetheus as, as sort of a, a the original uh what they call now an, a nepo baby yes nepotism. <laughs> that's right that would be that would be the, the the term of the day that's right yeah so uh but that, that's that's why i said maybe it's a slight slight blemish but i think all those other things uh far far outweigh that uh absolutely uh the bit of the soft spot for for his brother Fredo. Um, so. <laughs> it was always business. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, well, why don't we uh, why don't we take our first break? There, we've gotten through the yeah. first three pretty smoothly. Uh, we've started to see some rankings, some points piling up, uh, but our ending is still still in the mix. So we'll yeah, come back we with get... our final two categories. Let you catch up on your scorecards, and we. That's will... right. Get out. To, get the pencil sharpened. Get to it. And we will be back just after the break. All right, and we are back, and we have our fourth category, iconography, which is who has the better legacy, and as is traditional, Matt, why don't you start this one off? Yes, and I, I got to tell you, I thought long and hard about this one. Legacy is a very complicated thing, and this is one of those categories, and in in, in our final category is even a more direct expression of this, but this is one that... that kind of expanded over the course of, of the season. Uh, you know, the legacies of a lot of these contestants yep. were, were very impressive. I mean, even now, you know, thousands of years after their their heyday, we've got their names adorning planets, days of the week, spacecraft, guns, of course, creative holsters for guns, uh, and and to, near and dear to your heart being the subject of countless softcore romance novels that you <laughs> seem to enjoy uh, researching every week. 
Uh, but there were so many of those that almost among that top tier that they almost kind of canceled each other out. Yeah, you know, everyone's got a day of the week, everyone's got a planet. Um, so the way I thought of it for for these purposes, the true legacy is not just a question, uh, even about how famous of a god you remain now, right? I mean, Mercury, as you mentioned before, a very recognizable symbol still in the Greek form of Hermes, you know, associated with what purses, overpriced scarves, if you pronounce it Hermes. <laughs> uh, Everyone still knows Hercules. He's still famous, and he did a lot of yeah. impressive things. But ultimately, where's the real legacy? He accomplished a series of rather ridiculous tasks, and then he partially died at the end from wearing a poison shirt. So ultimately, a great story, but where's the lasting power of that? It's not just right. the fame. So I wanted here to push that concept of legacy to something of a deeper level. So what do we, what do we have in the world now as a result of these contestants that we really couldn't live without? It's inherent to our lives, essential to our modern lives that these gods brought us. That's the legacy I was reaching for here. And for my third slot, in a perhaps surprising choice, I went with, again, Mars, the god of war. Oh, for wow. better or worse, he's always been with us in some, more, some form or another in terms yep. of war. In fact, as recently as the beginning of this podcast back in December... You and I may have considered the good old-fashioned land war to be a, a relic of the past, but sadly, <laughs> we did. no longer the case, and yeah. Mars still has other plans. So um, we've mentioned that the Greek version Ares was the one who, who was the, you know, the one who really sought out war. The Roman version Mars, as you covered, was the protector of peace and the keeper of treaties, another critical part of his legacy. So, you know, I think there's there's the need for peace treaties, the need to hold those agreements together right. in our current form of life. That is critical. We know war will always be with us, but it is the periods between them um, that is perhaps, at least in my view, the third most powerful legacy uh, of the contestants we're dealing with. And as a bonus, Mars was also a protector of agriculture. He did have that life force that uh, that allowed crops to grow. And I don't know where you come from, but uh, you know, having food is a fairly essential part (laughs) of my of my day to day life too. So, the peacekeeping part is the big thrust of it. But that plus food earns him the third slot in this category. Second, we come back to Prometheus, the god of forethought. And for reasons that you articulate a little bit a little bit earlier, I call it the triple crown of great creative moves, you know, at the behest of Zeus created, of course, as you mentioned, mankind himself. So as humans, we owe him a huge debt of gratitude. Talk about legacy. We wouldn't be here right. um, without, without that creation. He brought fire to humans. So to this day, we're able to enjoy light in our darkness, heat on our grill, the distinct pleasure of scented candles, particularly White Christmas by Yankee Candle, my favorite, coming <laughs> up uh, later on this year. Um, and you alluded to this as well. Prometheus's shenanigans did lead to the creation of the first woman, Pandora. It was not by him, but it was influenced by him. Yep. Uh, and even though that was intended as a punishment, of course, it turned out to be anything but. Uh, so you think about the gifts of, of life, of steak, great smells, and ladies. Prometheus has it all. Yeah. And that's a legacy that's that's pretty good for my book. So he gets number two. Number one, uh, and this will maybe be almost a little wraparound to where you started earlier in the episode. Uh, number one, I'm going with Aphrodite, the goddess of uh-huh. love. Um, setting the standard for beauty in the world, first and foremost. As I mentioned earlier, the greatest influence of both kinds of love, both passion and lust. So her legacy to us brings, you know, has that attraction that keeps life interesting, pleasurable, and also fuels procreation. And perhaps this is where her legacy looms looms largest of all, because she enabled fertility, fecundity. We're still here. 
Because, yeah, Prometheus made humankind, but he didn't make them all, just the first batch. And reproduction was very necessary to <laughs> keep that yeah. train going. So all thanks to Aphrodite, that happened. And right. you know, yes, Mars did lead the clash of civilizations and warfare, but without fresh waves of new people, wars are going to be over really quickly. So each of them still both depended on the, the multiplication. Yes. Um, so I will sure. admit, you know, the multiplication of people in some sense has its drawbacks. I'm reminded of that anytime I leave the house, encounter <laughs> other people. But without that steady, unending flow of human beings, we don't have modern society. We don't have you or me. We don't have, most tragically of all, God versus God. So that legacy, the inherent reproduction of the human species, I bring right back to the love and lust brought to us by Aphrodite. And so she gets my number one. Excellent. Excellent. That's an interesting thing. I think it's going to be interesting because I think we went at this in slightly, slightly different ways. Yes. Uh, but maybe came to some similar conclusions. So, hmm. you know, uh, as I said, there are a lot of options, a lot of different yes. ways uh, to look at it. Uh, I felt like you kind of, to me, had to stick with those main Olympians for this because those are the people really most people are, are going to know, are, are going to understand. And, and they have, even in ways that people don't even realize that they're in the, the days of the week, they're in the months. Right. They have their planets. Uh, they got the big fancy paintings in, mm-hmm. in the in the Renaissance. So, uh, you know, I looked at Google Trends as oh. as sort of way, and uh, interestingly, Mercury actually came out on top there uh, with then Venus and Apollo close behind. But mm. you know, Mercury. I wasn't real uh, succinct about it. You know, it could have been a lot of concern about mercury poisoning. Sure. It <laughs> could have been a legacy. spike in that last last month. Right. And, and uh, you know, that would that would uh, spike there. So I didn't want to just, just rely on Google Trends. Right. I don't... One, one data point, yes. One data point. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of different evidence. You know, one of the things to consider this, the planets, the grades of days of the week, baby names, those are all great. But, you know, without question... But you have to ask, you know, what kind of holster do these gods have named after them? <laughs> and, Someone has to ask. Or, yeah, and, and I'm glad you asked. Uh, so from Aphrodite. Yes. So, so my top three came down uh, just to reveal is Aphrodite, Mercury, and Apollo. But I had to kind of order those. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for Aphrodite, she has a concealed carry handbag mm-hmm. that is named after her. Uh, nice. And from the marketing material. It says, named after the Greek goddess of love and beauty, whoever carries this handbag is guaranteed to be catching the eye of onlookers instantly. <laughs> Two external zip zippers give way to multiple pockets. The spacious internal pocket is large enough to hold a tablet or a few notebooks, and it has discreetly concealed carry pocket with an adjustable holster that fits up to a full-size gun. Wow. Both the handle and shoulder strap are reinforced with metal cut resistant wire to give us the owner an added sense of security yes so and it is composed of vegan leather <laughs> which is an ad bonus so i don't know the venn diagram of people who are interested <laughs> in a concealed carry holster but are also interested in in the leather being vegan that it's probably small very tiny overlap between yeah. those circles yes. i think that's just a, a that's the modern version of pleather that's yes. That's <laughs> what that is, yeah, but right. but it, it's vegan leather. So, uh, Mercury on this one, um, 
this is what this is what I I got from from him, and it is not a gun holster. It is uh, premium a premium quality case for the TT phone, big button Mercury phone. Oh yeah, it's a holster style <laughs> belt clip. Oh boy, <laughs> made from high quality materials. Uh, Full protection for your device, including impact resistance, compatible with both the Mercury and Saturn model big button phones. So, so are these the phones we're going to be using in like 50 years when we have to? Yes. Uh, when we fall and break our hip, at least the phone will still be. Yes. The, the, the big button phones, to, yeah. you know, when the eyes go uh, totally. So, And then we have the Apollo holster. And this is where the, the shared screen uh, is going to try and come oh, in. I see. So so for the folks at home, Andrew's going to be using a visual aid. Yeah. So for I'm my gonna... benefit that, uh, that, that all the rest of you will have uh, no access to. But we'll have to ask you to use your imagination. All right. Can you see that? Uh, <laughs> yes, I can. Would you describe that for uh, the listeners? Yes. So Andrew has uh, in his email, uh, Apollo holster. And uh, let's see, I'm seeing uh, two photos, uh, the couple of, of, of strapping uh, cut male models, it appears. Uh, on the left, uh, a gentleman in white with uh, some sort of gold piping. Uh, That's the gold version, yeah. It looks like a double a double holster, if I'm seeing this correctly, where you've got uh, space for a handgun uh, right by the left and the right elbows, but all uh, matching the gold and white uh, aesthetic really slickly. Right. Uh, to the right, uh, a less clad individual, um, <laughs> probably more, my eyes are drawn more more to his, uh, I can't tell if it's a six or an eight pack, but the uh, <laughs> definitely a washboard happening. Um, yeah. Very seductive look on his face, a headband, and what appears to be... It, some sort of holster made less for coverage and, and protection from the elements, more for almost a bondage type look. Well, the, uh, yes, and, so, but so yet there are, there are still there's elements of it that that seems to be able to hold firearms. Right. So the, these are actually the same holster, one in the gold version and one okay. one in the black version. But the or first model see, has chosen to wear a white jumpsuit underneath, yeah, where the, for, for, the other for the, fellow is just wearing it on its own. Right. So. Uh, Nice. So I'll I'll will st stop the share so you're not too distracted. That's that. very very it's a great image. It really uh, tells the story. <laughs> it does. But I also uh, get, have the marketing material here. So for for the benefit of the listeners. Yes. Uh, so this is the Apollo holster by Ritual, and it says it is made with sustainably sourced goat leather. Wow. Okay. So uh, they knew we were coming. Uh, two <laughs> zipped compartments. They can easily fit an iPhone Plus, so this is actually not a gun holster. It, it oh. is uh, uh, some sort of phone holster. Okay, but a little more slick phone holster than the one that clips to your belt. Yes. Uh, and it has two zipped compartments. Oh yeah, and then it has uh, D rings attached on the pouches for extra utility. <laughs> uh, in stock items will be shipped within uh, seventy two hours. And then it says, all orders for Burning Man must be placed <laughs> on or before August 1st. That's, that's there for a reason. That, yes. <laughs> is subject to availability. So it feels very on brand for that event. Yes. yes. <laughs> that, that, I like the kicker in that is, is the, the Burning Man <laughs> nice. qualification. So that's the picture. Um, you know, and of course, I also did look at uh, YA novels, romance fiction. Yes. Um, and let's see if I, you know, and that that was actually the kind of the one that that caught that uh, caught it for me 
and I'll, I'll read that last one. I'd reveal the winner. Um, but I felt the holster for, for Mercury lost him points. Mm. And that places him in, in number third. Sure, he's got the legacy. He's, he's got the days of the week. He's got the little planet. But, he's got the poisoning. Yeah, he's got it all. But that loses loses some coolness points uh, on that for, for the belt holster. Um, the Apollo holster is maybe a little bit niche. Uh, yeah. You know? So it it's it has a, it has its coolness factor about it, but um, it's a little bit niche. So I, I gave him number two. Yes. Uh, for that, and uh, I went with Aphrodite as as my oh, number one. I think interesting. You know that uh, concealed carry handbag. It, yeah. it was both practical and deadly, um, <laughs> and I think she deserves it for for other reasons. You know she's. The deity that probably has the most sustained interest um, by people, I think, because her area of interest is not well covered by the Abrahamic right. uh, religions. They don't deal with it uh, too well. So she's got a bit of an underserved market, and I think that's helped her uh, helped her survive. Um, Excellent of course, point. She, has, she has the planet. She's got a whole category of diseases named after her. Hmm. Venereal diseases. Oh, are... Venus and Venus. Yeah. Okay. I never made that connection, but yeah, no, that, that makes that... a lot of sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and again, I, I did compare the the YA novels, romance fiction, and I wanted to go to this. The kind of the thing that, that sealed it for her uh, is there's a three book series named, named the Aphrodite Trilogy hmm. uh, by a writer named Caitlin uh, Bevis. And, um, has some parallels to a certain matinee idol pitch. Oh. Uh, so here, here's from uh, the write-up on it. It's not easy being perfect, but Aphrodite is determined to prove that she's more than just a pretty face. When she's asked to investigate strange events occurring <laughs> on cruise ships, she's all over it. <laughs> Little does she guess just how much this mission is going to cost her. The problem? Demigods are mysteriously disappearing. Prepared to investigate, Aphrodite managed to charm herself into the best room on the ship. Unfortunately, the room is already taken. Uh -oh. It belongs to the one demigod immune to her charm, Adonis. Ah. Aphrodite doesn't know what to make of Adonis. He obviously disapproves of her, yet he saved her, and he's hot. <laughs> and then we go on from there. I like how there was all that just sort of light suggestion up until the end. In case you were <laughs> picking up on it. Oh, yeah. This guy, Adonis, also hot. Yes. <laughs> With a name like that, one would hope so. So yes. she's got the days of the week. She's got the planet. Uh, she's up there on the Google searches. Yeah. Underserved market. And that's why I went with. And a great holster. And that's why I went <laughs> right holster. Yes. That's a, that's an right. excellent, excellent choice, I think, on, on both of our behalves. Uh, I will say, number one, I, I almost hesitated to make the offhanded remark to gun holsters, not knowing if you'd remember that. But clearly <laughs> you did. Clearly I did. <laughs> uh, same thing with the young adult fiction, but or the not young adult, uh, slash erotic fiction. Yes. Uh, you were all all over that, so so good on you for that. All I can say is is fascinating to hear about Aphrodite on that cruise ship, kind of playing detective. <laughs> I hope the cruise ship does not have a wild boar on board. Is all I right. say. Because that, that's... that blurb doesn't give it, but uh, so <laughs> so hopefully it does not. But uh, she's she's playing detective on that, so I okay. thought, yeah, 
definitely some crossover. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, that gets us to our final category. The uh, points are all over the place. So, you know, this, yeah, there's, there's going to be, be some math. <laughs> so it's going to be some math. All right. Um, and that leads us to Matinee Idol. Yes. Which is, of course, who's whose story would make the better movie or limited series. And, of course, you know, over the course of this season, I think it's safe to say we've got a little more creative uh, with our pitches. A little bit. In this round. Uh, So, personally, looking back at I want to take a little bit of a step back. Mm -hmm. A little bit, go back, uh, focus on the core story, as well as our adaptations, and sort of balance them out. Uh, though having said that, um, the one that I came up with third, I probably did lean a little bit more on the spin that we gave it, and that was The Muses. Mm. Uh, you will recall that that limited experience explored uh, the place the muses have in our modern world, art and entertainment, uh, with the all-around the doom scroll that we do in our troubled times, uh, so that Calliope takes on inspiring a certain podcast with head-to-head battle of the gods, the yes. chance for the ultimate comeback. So I thought that message was so important. Yes. It had to be included. And, of course, this is also the Muse's area of expertise. Very much so. So I wanted to give them on the board, and they got uh, third place for me. And that leads us to uh, second place. So, again, in this one, um, I, I, I weighed – both the original story as well as our interpretations. And um, on that one, I went all the way back to second episode with Demeter, Mm. who had that classic story of loss and the dramatic search for her daughter. Uh, And that story in itself fueled one of the longest running cults in the ancient world, Mm. Um, the Elysian Festival that was basically a nine-day retelling of that story that ran for 900 years straight, (laughs) a record that would stand uh, until being broken by Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. (laughs) He knew that was coming. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Good. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that's a good story. It it inspired. You know, that her whole cult was was based on that one sort of story, and there was a lot packed into it, uh, both uh, natural for fertility and also overcoming death and loss and so yes i I thought that one uh deserved to be number two uh and that brings us to number one uh so for me that was prometheus Mm, a story that you pitched uh with a cast basically made of actors that you could brilliantly (laughs) if tragically impersonate uh (laughs) So, and you had a little in medias ray, mm. uh, limited series, you know, with the, the flashbacks and that was part of the draw, but also, uh, there was another, not quite as renowned, uh, storyteller who took up the Prometheus story in Aeschylus, uh, the classical Athens dra- dramatist. And he had right. a trilogy of plays, yeah, kind of a, a limited series yes. of its time, um, and he won some awards for those in the Dionysic Festival. Uh, Prometheus Bound, which I believe is the one that still survives. Uh, Prometheus Unbound and also Prometheus Firebringer, which was a prequel 
to the other plays, even though it it was put on third. And that one is lost, right? It is no longer. Yes, that one, that, that one, that one is is lost. And I, I believe that even Prometheus Unbound is only partial. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So uh, it was even more of a limited series than was originally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very limited. Now, now it's quite limited. So, uh, but it, but the one surviving uh, play, Prometheus Bound, does stand as a classic of early western drama mm. i think that counts for something and you know so both the elevator pitch that you gave uh with uh sadly doomed gilbert godfrey yes and the classic play the gold medalist for me is nice. prometheus excellent all right well you'll see a bit of overlap here as well uh you know revisiting the category i mean clearly as you mentioned, the, the, the stories, the pitches became infinitely more creative and uh, <laughs> elaborate as the season progress progress. I, I, I guess I'm trying to strike a balance of, you know, we started with some very kind of straightforward interpretations of, of the contestants life, just sort of yep. maybe a camera angle, maybe a bit of casting. <laughs> uh, but as the season went on, escalated to the point of absurdity, uh, you, you kind of hinted at this. It turns out this category has really served as kind of an in memoriam reel uh, for the season you know, in episode five, the Prometheus treatment you just described, of course, Gilbert Gottfried was the eagle uh, who punishes the title character. He died about a week after our recording. Um, yeah. And then a little bit later, you had mentioned Xanadu uh, as part of yeah. the legacy of the Muses episode 11. And I believe Olivia Newton-John comes up in that discussion. Um, she does. I think she died. She passed away between our recording and the release. It was very soon after yes. we'd had that discussion. Yeah. Um Interestingly, yeah, so so had I known that we have this power by casting somebody in this category, I might have chosen my performers differently, but uh, <laughs> it came to us too late. So yeah. in retrospect, looking at least in my rankings for the examples that convey, I think you're getting to this too, the spirit of the deity in the story, but still a combination with some good cinematic storytelling. Yeah. So, And good storytelling, not just an excuse for me to deploy sound effects like I'm a you know radio time DJ in Jacksonville or something like that or hackneyed impressions of Jimmy Stewart whatever uh so for my third I went with uh with with Helios from episode six I think that was that was a great combination of both of them in your telling of it a good cinematic scope you know you you really painted the picture of Helios's sun palace the entourage the great imagery of the sun god riding his chariot each day chewing up a lot of the CGI budget but really <laughs> worth every penny yeah. lighting the world and of course, the the drama within it, the the you know the troubled young offspring, Phaethon. He's struggling with his coming of age. He's got this paternity yeah. battle with his would be father, and then the time comes to learn how to drive the chariot. You get the training montage, similar to any great work of art from Rocky <laughs> Four on. Right. Um, and then the dramatic chariot crash, where Phaethon really gets out on the road before he's ready. Uh, he becomes the unluckiest student driver in history because of Zeus. Of course, Zeus needs to kill him with a thunderbolt to save the world. And then you know the emotional power at the end of his father you know mourning his son but realizing it had to be done and yet still going about his daily tasks still going right. back to the grind pressing on with his job even with his uh, even in his darkest hour so uh truly an epic film there and i think worthy of at least third place it's really shocking this hasn't made it to a film that i can recall right. yeah. uh, but netflix again if you're listening <laughs> uh, yeah. keep your budgets ready so he gets the third spot uh helios from episode six now Interesting that you brought up Aphrodite on the cruise ship because she gets my second ranking for okay. uh, for this category. 
And of course, you know, you, you touch on a little bit in, in, in my telling of the story back in episode 10, Adonis, uh, her, her would-be lover, of course, dies mysteriously in a hunting mishap at the hands of a wild boar, the, the hoofs of a wild, whatever the wild boar <laughs> did, uh, unclear. But because she's the Horns. goddess of love, she can't bear to let the death remain a cold case. So turns her grief into action, becomes the amateur detective and hits the trail. And of course, you know, she has the flying swan car. She can track down leads. She ends up falling for and betting a buff young stable attendant. She's able to gather clues with pillow talk. Um, so really, you know, episode per episode is able to exemplify that love and lust, but in the course right. of a plot to crack that cold case. Now, I don't want to spoil anything about the ending, the ending of a fake movie within a <laughs> podcast that came out two and a half months ago. Yeah. Um, Sure. But it is revealed shockingly that Aphrodite has in fact been keeping the boar as a pet. Uh, right. So in the end, we get that long shot of her staring at the animal. We don't know whether she's about to tear him limb from limb in anger or seduce him. So really, the, it carries the erotic charge that we know from Aphrodite, uh, the, the plotting, thrilling, daring. And I think hits the hits a nice balance of faithfulness to the character, but also a bit of creative license, let's say. And frankly, at, at least in my telling, as sexy a story as you're able to tell that involves a wild boar. So <laughs> to that effect, she gets number two. Yeah. And interestingly, my choice for the top in, in this final category was in fact, the muses, the goddesses of oh, the arts from episode yes. 11. And you, you laid it out very well. I liked the fact that it was split between their home in Mount Helicon and, and the modern world. It had a great set piece that you didn't allude to. It involved, you know, the dramatic defeathering of a, of a key character yeah, where yeah. they could had become a bird at some point. Um, but again, that conclusion, you know, really coming calliope coming to the sense that are we using our powers as the muse in the best way if we're just inspiring, you know, TikTok videos and romance right. novels and then space imagery and music as well. But you yeah. know, are we doing the best we can? And that leads to the triumphant reveal that it is the inspiring nature of people like us, <laughs> podcasters who inform and entertain. That's the higher purpose, right? Which leads to you know, to, to the creation of God versus God. So not only a great, you know, a great piece of meta storytelling, a masterclass in it uh, delivered by you in that episode, but the fact that you, you cast Bradley Cooper and Ryan Reynolds to play you and me and never <laughs> specified who was playing who, no. you know what? It never mattered. You can't, no. you can't lose. Uh, so anybody, anybody who can come up with any scenario where those two actors play the two of us, that deserves top prize. So <laughs> That is my number one. So the muses uh, show up late with a uh, fifth category first place, at least from this guy. Yeah. Yeah, they, they got on the board. And it is interesting that you mentioned Helios. He was, you know, I think he spent a lot of time in number four for me. Like he mm. got in there for, for one one time uh, in Good God. I had him right on the edge with Artemis, but I wanted to give Artemis the shout out for her, you know, vengeful, the avenging nature. And again, I had him number four here, but I'm glad. So I'm glad he made it on on your board to get get that point. It, well, and going back to to the 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 head to head matchups, I mean, Helios was the winner of episode six against Athena, who he is did. no small fish there. So no. uh, that was not an easy uh, victory that he pulled off, but good on him, impressive. Yeah. Well, it's time to tally our results, and you know, throughout the season, of course, we have discussed a lot of ways in which the ancient world would reach a conclusion when there is a, a situation of conflict. Sometimes you appoint a neutral judge, maybe a Zeus, maybe a Paris, or you settle it with a music competition, maybe yeah. an occasional feat of strength. Uh, in our case, we're going to determine our finalists using a technique that only could be dreamed of by the ancients, an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> there you, go. you, Andrew, have painstakingly created for this occasion. 
Uh, so you will now access the top secret tab uh, to see the tally of which That's contestants right. will make it to our final round in part two of this finale. So we will go to break. You will put on your green visor, uh, dim the lights, yeah. uh, examine the numbers, and then come out of the break, you will reveal our final finishers to tee us up for the grand finale. That so I will. Get to tallying, and we'll be right back with you. Here we go. And now we're back for the final act of part one of two in our finale. And Andrew has been painstakingly running the numbers. Yes. Uh, some... There was a pause in real time of about six hours where we've been waiting <laughs> uh, for him to triple check the numbers, uh, get all of his sums straight. But now he will reveal right. to us uh, who will make it on. So you want to start with who who almost made it. Yes. yes. So, so after some very vigorous adding. Yes. <laughs> some very vigorous addition. <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, nailed it down. Yes. Uh, checked the numbers and almost made it, but did not quite uh, make it. With nine total points, is Mercury. 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 Yes. T- nine total points. The trickster god doesn't quite make it back into the golden goat. Very uh, strong so, finish, and and yeah. certainly uh, took up some some good uh, good part of this conversation. So he he he. He had he can leave with his head held. High, yeah, I, I think if he'd I, had a better holster, that's not, he would have he would have made it's, it. It's the little things, always. The, always it is, the yeah. You get, well, you get we, as the would be runner up, he will get our Mister Congeniality Award, which actually kind of fits his his personality. Yeah, yeah that's all right. If yeah. you know, in an, an alternate universe, if like Poseidon had won Mister Congeniality, that wouldn't work. No, well, but he's not quite the runner up because with eleven points, uh, we have. Aphrodite, and also with eleven points, Ooh. we had Prometheus. So, so uh, now that means uh, we have to go to a tiebreaker. Uh, yes, and, and so th- those are two. But there's one above them. If they were the top two, we wouldn't have to worry about that. But right, uh, right. then with twelve, I'm just going to reveal this with twelve yes. points. Apollo, top scorer, and he is. Top score going into our final round. But yes. who's he going to face? Uh, for that, we had to go to the tiebreaker. And you may recall from the top of this episode, which is shorter <laughs> than most of our episodes. So hopefully you retain some memory of it. Uh, it was the first, because we don't, we're going to not have to go to the fates unless we have to. We don't want to bother him. Yes. They've him. already served us well enough over the course of these last 10 months. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, we go to the score in the rounds. And so it was Prometheus against those very same fates, won four to one. Yes. While Aphrodite against the good doctor Asclepius yes. won three to two. Uh, she, so that four, uh, it is Prometheus versus Apollo in our Golden Goat round. And wow. then we're going to have three entirely different yes. uh, categories. So it's going to hopefully force out some new stories for us. Yes. We'll also reveal uh, those. But those have been well-crafted yes. you know, to really 
maximize the benefit we're going to get as we start this new pantheon. Yes. Um, of people who of gods who are really going to serve us and help save this troubled world. Which is very important because ultimately this does this does come down to a job interview and we need to, <laughs> yeah. to appoint the winner. So that will be that'll be our question to answer between now and that uh, grand finale. Who will win? Well, I would normally say nobody knows. Um, we do have a bit of a strange uh, wrinkle in the sense that Apollo, as the god of prophecy, may already know his fate. Uh, yeah, but he's he the god of know. foresight. He is the so. god of foresight, prophecy. Yeah, so he may already know. <laughs> they uh, both they both probably know. Cassandra. Also probably knows, but because Apollo gave her the gift of prophecy, right. but but if she tells anybody, nobody will believe her. So that yeah, is her so. curse. And as you alluded to, the, the Moira, the fates, they probably know as well, uh, since it is in, in their hands ultimately. Right. Um, but as you pointed out during that episode, they have a proud history of discretion in these matters, so they're not talking. So they're yeah. keeping it shut. Uh, what's most important, of course, that you and I do not know, and so <laughs> right. we will learn together in that uh, in that final part two of this finale. So head-to-head through all new categories to determine once and for all who will take away that golden goat. Before we wrap up very quickly, it does remind me I have one prep item for last time. Now, I have not mentioned this throughout the entirety of of this series, but uh, since the first episode, in preparation for the finale, I have been raising a goat right here in my (laughs) Chicago apartment uh, since last December. Now, he's been along in here in my office for every step. He's been growing, paying very close attention to the episodes, and to his credit, keeping very quiet during the sessions. Yeah, uh, I imagine I he's very excited to be part of this finale. This is really what he's uh, he's here for. In fact, I, I I do have him right here. And and w- would you care to to say say a few words about? Uh... Yeah, very good. Okay, so you can tell he's you know he's he's, he's of limited vocabulary, but a very nice fellow. We've gotten to know each other really well over these last you know nine or ten months. We've really bonded, and I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna cover his ears for just a second here. Um. So, of course, in preparation for the finale, I now have to, between now and that last episode, I need to dip him in gold. Um, <laughs> I assume, first of all, the expense will be covered by the revenues from this podcast. I'm not worried about that, but, but right, you know, we sure. agree. Only when he's dipped in 24 karat gold will our little friend here be a, a fitting and proper reward for our divine winner. So I, I have not mentioned this last part <laughs> of the code. So I'm just going to pose the question to our little friend really I'll release his ears. Uh, hey, buddy. Um so how do you feel about uh, being uh, dipped in gold and, and given as a sacrifice to uh, to our winner? Uh, it doesn't sound like he's, uh, he's that crazy about the idea, but you know no, what? No. Yeah, we've got a week or two to figure it out. We'll, we'll get through it. So uh, our thanks to him for the sacrifice yep. he's about to make. Um, uh, really fascinating process here. We've gotten to a, to a really good spot. I think we're all pretty excited about where the finale will take us. So yeah. Uh, as always, our thanks to Andy Snow for for our theme music, andysnow.dj. Uh, we're available everywhere. Tell your friends. You've got plenty of time to catch up, but we've got the finale in our sites. Um, but please, as always, like, subscribe, leave a review. Yes. Tell your friends. See us on the socials. And uh, make sure to get to that official God versus God playlist on Spotify. I don't yeah. know who's going to be the first to suggest the final countdown by Europe for this week, but uh, <laughs> you may have to flip over that one. In All any right. case, it'll be there. Uh, so for then, uh, for, for now, Andrew, let's, uh, let's sign off. Let's get to our preparations and we will both be uh, thrilled to come back for that last, last grand finale and to figure out who gets that golden goat after all. Right. That's what it's all leading up to. All leading up to it. So great job as always, my friend. And yeah, you too. Folks, we'll see you for the finale very shortly. Bye. Bye.